2: A terrifying stalker who knows everything, a woman drugged on a farm, and a row house off campus with an incredibly creepy secret lurking in the padlocked basement. Headphones recommended, listener discretion advised. Good evening and welcome back everyone, I'm your host Chad. This week, I'm bringing you three true horrifying tales that are sure to keep you up at night. This is Disturbed. Halloween has come and gone. I hope everyone had a safe and fun time, despite the current circumstances. Of course, we're still here with a new set of those terrifying true tales. Tonight, our first experience comes courtesy of Reddit user Spicy Meatball, with narration by Nina Instead, host of the Already Gone podcast.
3: A few years back, my then-boyfriend and I were living in a one-bedroom apartment in downtown Denver. We were about a mile away from Larimer Square and the tourist favorite of 16th Street. The location was fantastic, but in a people-dense area, you often find trouble. We lived in a historic home with four townhouses next to one another, and the layout is important to the story because all four front doors were aligned on one porch— My apartment was located next to an alley, and it was the last door on the left. Due to a work obligation, my boyfriend, he was sent away on a three-month-long work assignment, which left me alone in the house with our two dogs. I didn't mind. I'd grown up in a small town in the Northeast, and I was eager to explore the city. When my workday was over, I enjoyed long walks around dog parks and exploring restaurants and craft breweries around the downtown area, all was well until it wasn't. Being alone most of the time and raised in a town of about 4,000 people, I was docile and trusting, the worst combination. After about a month of living alone, I came home to three men smoking outside of my door. The first time I saw them, I decided to keep walking and I called a friend to help me get into my house safely. I thought, oh, this is just a one time thing. But weeks later, the men were still showing up. It was routine. When I got home at five o'clock, there they were, lighting up cigarettes, almost like they were waiting for me. I was finally at my wits end, and I asked them, do you live here? And if they lived there, I needed them to verify it with the landlord. But none of them answered my question. Two of them left, walking away down the alley, but one stood there, continuing to smoke. I was upset, and I repeated the question, do you live here? He stared back at me with cold, dark eyes. Then he put his cigarette out on my door only to brush my shoulder as he left. It's fair to say that I was unnerved by this encounter. I went inside and called my boyfriend, telling him what had happened and he called the landlord and told her. A few days later, there had been no signs of the men. I felt pretty good about myself. I got to the point where I took for granted the ability to walk up to my apartment door without being afraid. It was Friday, and I decided to treat myself to drinks out with friends. I'd become diligent about locking windows and doors because living on an alley made me feel extra vulnerable, and after my confrontation with those creeps on my porch, I was still nervous. My night out was great, and I had a few beers before I decided to go home. One of my friends insisted on making sure I got home safely. We arrived at my house and he walked me to the door, but upon arrival, the door was covered in ash and the porch was covered in cigarette butts. The aroma of cigarettes hung in the air. He could see the fear on my face and offered to stay over, sleeping on the couch to keep watch. But I said, no, I'll I'll be okay. I stayed up that evening, double-checking the locks and pulling down the blinds. Finally, I retreated to my bedroom, which faced the front door. I kept the door ajar so my dog would be aware of anything happening outside. I watched some television, and then I fell asleep. It was 3 a.m. when I woke up to the sound of my dog growling. I was petrified. Something in me knew that they were back. I got out of bed slowly, trying to make as little sound as possible. I peeked out the door and saw a hand on the stained glass window, and a pair of eyes peering in, scanning my apartment. He was back, and I'd been foolish enough to leave the kitchen lamp on, exposing my house to the outside world. I knew that if this man saw me, there would be trouble. Slowly and quietly, I made my way to the lamp and turned it off. That way, he couldn't see me. With the light off, he began pounding on the door, demanding to be let in. I ran to my room and called 911. The operator told me to lay low, to not confront him, to stay on the line until police arrived. Meanwhile, I could hear him punching the glass, his fist slamming against it. Finally, there was a crash. I peered out my bedroom door. He had gone from using his hand against the glass to a brick, and the glass was cracked. It felt like I'd been on the phone with dispatch forever, and the police were still minutes away. The brick continued smashing against the glass, and then there was silence. I again stole a look at the front door, and I could see him looking back at me, smoking a cigarette, and then the cops arrived. The dispatcher told me to wait for a knock on the door, which finally came. It was the police telling me it was safe to come out. I stepped outside just as they were putting him in the back of the cruiser. That's when he yelled, Bye, Pete! and listeners, this shook me to the core. Only my family called me Pete, and my family was thousands of miles away. That's when I realized he'd been watching and listening and waiting. He knew my boyfriend was gone. He probably heard me refuse the offer to have my friend stay over. I watched the cruiser drive away and called whoever I could get a hold of at that hour. In the morning, my mom called me back and told me to get in touch with the police and make sure to press charges. The idea of pressing charges hadn't occurred to me last night. So I called the police and asked them to bring me the paperwork. I wanted to file charges. That's when they told me that the man was taken to the hospital, but he escaped before he had been identified. Needless to say, I found a new place to live and my boyfriend found another job which kept him closer to home. To the man who was after me, Let's not meet again.
2: Now, let's shout out our brand new Patreon fan club members Wes in Bismarck, North Dakota, Carly Daniel, Dave Contreras, Zach Rogers. Leanne in Kentucky and EJ Corum. Thanks everyone for joining the Patreon fan club and supporting the show. All of them will now enjoy tons of awesome perks including our bonus episodes of Disturbing Calls. Four bonus episodes are available to binge right now. If you're curious what else is included for Patreon members or you want those bonus episodes along with many other perks visit patreon.com slash disturbedpodcast and join for as little as $3 a month to start receiving your benefits today. Again, that's patreon.com slash disturbedpodcast. Now, our next story is one that reinforces the point to always be vigilant and aware. This experience comes to us from Reddit user BananaLemon and introducing new guest narrator, Sarah Thomas.
1: This happened to me when I was 19. I was very stupid and naive back then. I was also very lucky to have my best friend with me, who obviously was much smarter. I had this friend who was much older. I guess he was like 35 or 36. For whatever reason, he liked to hang out with teens and people in their 20s. I met him through my friends. He was very popular. Many of my friends were in bands and we were generally attending gigs together, etc. And this guy was known to know a lot about punk rock, local bands, people you should know as an aspiring musician, old cult status bands and their members, etc. He had his own apartment, which isn't something many people in their 20s have in my country, so it was very cool we were able to hang out at his. He was a semi-professional sportsman. He had a vast collection of music and always had lots of food and weed. He kind of liked me, or so I thought. We would exchange flirty texts on a daily basis, and it was great. I kind of liked him too. He was a good-looking guy, but I always felt like something was wrong whenever we started to get flirty or whatever. All was right when we were just texting, but in person, it just felt weird. He just didn't sit right with me. I didn't know why. Couldn't pinpoint that feeling to anything about him in particular. I was at his apartment often with my friends, but would never stay alone. Often I went there thinking, okay, this is it. Let's have some fun. With my girlfriends all excited for me too, but would change my mind as soon as he opened the door. One day, my best friend visited me. She normally lives in another country and she isn't from my city or area at all. She has only been here a few times to visit me. That's going to be important later. Also note that we are both what you would call petite. She knew all about this guy and how I kind of liked him but wasn't sure, blah, blah, blah. So of course, as soon as she came, the two of us went to visit him. We were alone at his apartment and they seemed to get along well. So I was calm and happy. We had some pasta that he made and I had some wine. My best friend said she didn't want any, which seemed a little strange, but I didn't ask why. We had a nice afternoon, when he suddenly asked if we wanted to go to a party with him. He was going soon, and we could go with him. Of course, I said sure. Didn't even ask where to and with whom. I just figured we were going somewhere in the city, and I will definitely meet many people I know there. I was really popular back then, and had... Many, many friends in my mid-size hometown. No worries at all. Then two of his friends, both around his age, came over to pick us up. But as soon as we left his apartment complex, I realized we were going in the wrong direction, leaving the city behind. Only then had I asked where we were going, and they explained that their other friend had a farm far away on the outskirts of the city. I had a vague idea where that was. I still wasn't nervous at that point, as I still figured that, since it was supposed to be quite a big gathering, surely there will be people I know. We arrived. The area was huge, with many greenhouses, a trailer where the guy lived, and an old farmhouse which was quite far away and where his parents lived. In some of the greenhouses, there was weed growing in between the tomatoes. That was the supplier that my friend always had his wheat from. There weren't that many people there, and they were almost exclusively guys. The only other girls there were much older than us, hippies and very stoned, chilling with their boyfriends. We were definitely the youngest ones there. This started to make me feel anxious, but the overall vibe was good and very chill, The guys who were talking to us, despite the obvious age difference, were all very nice. No stupid innuendos or anything of the sort. So when my guy friend offered beer, I took it without thinking much. My best friend was offered drinks too, but she didn't want any. We sat around the fire, and this is when things got blurry for me. In fact, the next thing I remember is laying in my bed the next morning very hungover. Nothing from the night. So the rest of this story is based on what my best friend told me. As I had my beer, just one, and a little wine consumed hours before that, way less than what would normally get me drunk, I started to act... wild. She used the word slutty. Oops. I apparently started kissing the guy I knew hard. In front of everybody else near the fire. She was a little shocked, but thought I wanted it. Then, I sat on top of him, kissing and practically riding him then and there. His friend came over and asked if he could get a kiss too, and I complied, starting to kiss him too. This was when she started to worry, as this wasn't how I behaved at all. She noticed the guy wink at my friend, and they exchanged smiles and winks with their other friends. All the while, the other person tried to make my best friend drink something, too. She said she didn't drink alcohol, but they insisted she have juice or water then. Luckily, she didn't. Then, the guy I knew asked the one living on the farm if we could use some of the privacy of one of the greenhouses, and lifted me up and started to walk that way. Right at this moment, my little brave best friend stood up, protested that, and started yelling for him to leave me alone and said we were going back. Some of the other people, not from the group of friends we stayed with, who were busy with themselves earlier, started noticing something was going on, so the guy let me go. She said our taxi was waiting for us, and we left. There was no taxi there. It was midnight at this point, and we were alone on some rural road. No one followed us, though, so it was good but she was very scared the whole time. She walked, dragging me behind her, to see the sign closest to the property and was able to read the name of the place, as she had no idea where we were and she was too afraid to ask the people at the party. Then she called a cab and waited with me for half an hour until it arrived. She had no idea what my parents' address was, so she had to navigate my city as they went, but she did it. My house is right on the main street and has a distinctive mural on one side, so she was able to spot it. She found the keys in my purse and got me to the safety of my bed. If it wasn't for her, I probably would have been raped on that farm, and I guess it wouldn't be by this one dude only. She said she was vigilant due to what I told her about the guy before she even came here, the I like him but something's not right part and that is why she didn't drink anything for the whole afternoon and night. Whoa. She is the best, and definitely the smarter one of the two of us. Please be smarter than I was back then. Never go places alone with people you hardly know and don't trust. Always let somebody back home know where you're going. Send GPS coordinates once you land yourself in a similar situation. Wasn't available back then. Don't drink alcohol or consume anything that somebody else gives you unless you know them very well. And most important, don't be afraid to call your parents for help. She didn't do that even though she actually should have. Listen to your gut. Mine was telling me something was wrong with that guy all along. I just didn't listen or expect it to be that bad. I honestly just thought I was creeped out because of the age difference. I was never the type to look for older guys on purpose. He never forced me to do anything when we were at his place. Never made any lewd comments, nothing. He seemed very adult and considerate compared to friends my age. It's been some time, but it feels good to let it off my chest. The only person I ever talked to about this is my best friend. Oh.
2: And here we are, approaching the tail end of this week's episode, but we're not done yet. Stick around after this brief sponsor break to hear our final terrifying tale of the evening. This episode of Disturbed was made possible by Hugh Kitchen. Hugh is a family founded chocolate and snacking company focused on creating products that match ultra simple ingredients with unbeatable taste. Built on a strong mission to help people get back to human, Hugh only uses simple, real, and responsibly sourced ingredients. Hugh obsessively vets every ingredient to unite unbeatable taste with unmatched simplicity. They go beyond what is easy and expected to ensure that their products and practices are ethical and put both humanity and the human body first. All of Hugh's products are gluten-free, dairy-free, refined sugar-free, and aren't heavily processed. Use code POD for 15% off your next purchase at hughkitchen.com. That's code POD, P-O-D, for 15% off at hukitchen.com, And find out why Hugh helps people get back to human. And finally... This episode was made possible by BetterHelp. We discussed some seriously disturbing things on this podcast. That's why we've partnered with BetterHelp. Are you feeling stressed, anxious, overwhelmed? BetterHelp Online Counseling can help. They'll assess your needs and match you with a licensed therapist. Connect in a safe, private, online environment. It's convenient, affordable and you'll be matched with a counselor within 24 hours. You'll have access to video sessions, phone calls, live chat, and messaging. Every counselor on BetterHelp is licensed by the respective state and has more than 3,000 hours of experience. BetterHelp counselors address depression, relationship issues, family conflict, and more. Right now, they're offering Disturbed listeners a special discount. Visit betterhelp.com slash disturbed and use code disturbed at checkout to receive 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash disturbed and join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Listen to Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast. It's a fun show about weird stuff. New episodes every Wednesday, yeah, eggheads. I'm Art. And I'm Andy. And Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time is a podcast about conspiracies, the paranormal, UFOs, Unsolved Mysteries. We're going to be discussing the Kennedy assassinations. Oh, yeah. That's his nickname, Finger-Banging Bob Lazar. Give me some aliens with some good freaking spacecraft. The whole enchilada. The only thing bigger than Bigfoot's feet are our egos. If you like simulation theory, ancient history, egghead science, and Mandela effect, that kind of stuff. So check it out. New episodes every Wednesday. All the links you need on MrBunkersConspiracyTime.com. And we'll see you in the bunker. And with that, we've reached our final experience. A Reddit user who prefers to remain anonymous and her roommates got more than they bargained for by discovering an extra, unknown roommate. Narrating this experience is new guest narrator, Brandi Simmons.
0: I go to school in a big city that is one of the least safe cities in the US. I chose this school for nursing and definitely not for the location. I live in a row house, or that's what we call it, off campus with four other girls. Cheaper and nicer than dorms. Or so we thought. I guess you get what you pay for. We are all girls and sophomores in college. And as you would guess, we go out and drink and come back and do things we don't remember. We had just started our rent in August. Three floors plus a basement, which was padlocked by the owners. Understandable, we would definitely have had parties down there to avoid immediate cleanup. The house was great, amazing location, to the school and work. I am a CNA who works odd hours, important for later. It was not expensive and in good condition, but I had never lived with that many people before just one roommate, so before, we definitely knew if one of us had misplaced or changed something. I started to notice my snacks were either half gone or completely gone. I was getting annoyed, but in a house of so many people, it's too much work to go figure out who ate what, so I ignored it. Slowly, as girls do, we started making comments about someone eating our food, but passive aggressively. You know, college girls. We all just let it go because who wants a whole house fight? I work until about 11 in the NICU, get home at about 11.30 mostly on weeknights. I started to notice pans left out or snack wrappers around. I thought it was odd because none of my roommates had done that before, but just thought, oh, they probably drank a bottle of wine and then went to bed and forgot all about this. Again my roommates started making comments. This time, we started to ask because it was getting annoying. All our food being gone and things being left out, I knew it was one of them. But who wants to admit they ate someone else's snacks in college? Snacks are a high commodity. We chalked it up to the girl who always smokes and eats her weight in food. She swore it wasn't her. This went on for about two months. It got more obvious someone was clearly taking everyone's food definitely the girl that always smokes. I see her eat her whole snack pantry in a night. I wish it was her. One night at work, I was about to get off, but a situation happened and I didn't end up leaving until 1230. I took the bus home. I carry pepper spray, taser, pocket knife, don't worry. I got home and was about to collapse. I wanted to go to bed as soon as possible. I walked in the front door, and the stairs are directly in front of you, and you can also see down the side into the kitchen, and I walked in and saw someone in the kitchen, but was way too tired to say hi, thinking it could end in, like, a 30-minute conversation about nothing, so I went straight upstairs. When I got to the second floor, I noticed all my roommate's doors were closed, which always means... They are all either in their room for the night or asleep. I got a weird feeling, just something that made it click. They were all asleep, right? I texted our house group chat asking if anyone was in the kitchen. I felt stupid for even asking. Two responded no, and they said the other two had been asleep. I knew it wasn't any of my roommates down there at that moment. I dialed 911 but didn't press call. I crept into my roommate's room across the hall. Thankfully, maybe not thankfully, she didn't have her door locked. I whispered, telling her, I think someone is in the house. She gave me the widest eyes ever and almost looked like she was going to cry. She didn't suspect anything like I had, but for reference, we are in a very bad area. As in, there was a shooting in the house two doors down only weeks earlier by an intruder. She mouthed to make the call. The whole time we were dead silent. We didn't hear really anything at all. I was starting to think I was seeing things after such a long day at work and was regretting that I had dialed thinking, I'm gonna look like an idiot when they show up and I was just overtired and dreaming. We explained what's going on and they said they will send someone as soon as possible. And that actually does mean right away, since it is a big and dangerous city. The police showed up, and I didn't even want to go downstairs, but the operator confirmed it was them, so I did. But the whole time, I could swear the operator could hear my heart beating. The police come in and look around, and I'm thinking, oh god, I look so dumb. <laughs> they ask if there are any other floors, and we tell them, technically the basement, but it's padlocked, so really no. They checked the basement, just in case, and, well, yeah, they were right. A man had been living in the padlocked basement. The lock was pulled off the hinges and just kind of propped against the back wall. We never looked at that, though. We rarely went out back. The guy had taken a comforter that belonged to one of my roommates out of the hall closet, had a mattress from God knows where, and his clothes, well... He was the one moving and eating all our stuff. He would come out in the middle of the night and do it. He started getting more comfortable. I don't know if he was drugged out and forgot to clean his tracks, or if he didn't really care. My roommates and I have pretty consistent schedules during the week, probably letting him think that any time after about 12 was good to come out. We never slept with our individual doors locked, and that's what freaks me out most. He had access to any one of us at any moment, and we had no idea. When he was getting arrested, I was the only one to go down and look. I don't know why I did. I wish I didn't. I took a picture of him in the process of him getting arrested to show to my roommates who were too afraid to go down. A link to his photo is in the show notes.
2: This episode of Disturbed was mixed and produced by yours truly. And that electrifying, spine-tingling score you heard is courtesy of White Bat Audio, co.ag, and Kevin Hartnell. Special thanks to all the contributing narrators and submitters of these stories. You'll find all the relevant links in the show notes. And don't forget... You can submit your own story by emailing disturbedpod20 at gmail.com or by visiting disturbedpodcast.com and clicking the blue microphone in the lower right. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. And stay safe out there, y'all.